When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Josh Raymer, joined in the virtual Sojak tonight by the one, the only, PFF's finest, John Macri. John, how are you, my friend? I am doing good. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I look forward to our, our, preview, uh, our preview show every, every month. It's, uh, it's, it's a nice time to get to chat and talk football on the podcast, in the feed, and, uh, and get to talk to you. So I, I really do look forward to it and happy to be back. Always good to see your beautiful face. You'll be good to you'll be happy to hear that Adam uh, on Tuesday as we were leaving the Soad Shack and uh, mentioned that we were. I think he actually did it on the pod. No pop culture talk. He wanted zero pop culture. So I'm happy to tell the listeners tonight that this is all going to be pop culture talk, and Damn maybe right. we'll talk. Yeah, maybe we'll talk a little <laughs> IDP at the end. Yeah, we're starting with uh, movies of the 1990s and working mm-hmm. our way up to current day. And then we'll start with TV shows of the 90s and work our Correct. way up to current day. So yes, I hope Adam's absolutely. listening and strapped to a chair with the headphones tied to his ears so that he has no has choice to listen. but to listen. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be happy to know that that might actually be the last time that Adam saw a movie was the 1990s. So uh, that works out perfectly. And I did hear a quote from someone, one of the YouTube channels I love. They're uh, VFX artists, so they specialize in like visual effects. And they said that the golden era of movies was the 1990s, which is kind of interesting. But they their argument was VFX was not so advanced that movies were just CGI cartoons. You think about Jurassic Park or Twister. They were used. They were sprinkled in really well and really effectively to aid the story. They did not become the story. And I was like, eh, it's a good point. A lot of good, lot of good movies in the nineties. I think you could make a strong case. That's a good, yeah, that's a good call. Martin Scorsese at his peak, right? Quentin Tarantino. Now you got, yeah, like the James Camerons and uh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that came out of the nineties, man. I, I think I, like as far as rewatchability goes, the most rewatchable movies probably from the nineties, right? Absolutely. I mean, some not, absolute not the, classics. Not the superhero movies, but <laughs> yeah, probably but, yeah. not the super. That was like uh, I think they're in the um, Rob uh, Batman and Robin, Batman, Batman Forever. Robin. Yeah, man, uh, we. Well, I put on the Batman and Robin for for Luke um, the other day because he he wanted to watch. He saw it pop up on the screen. Like we're kind of like scrolling, looking for something to watch, and I was like. I guess it's okay for him to watch. Like it's not like too violent or anything. I put it on and I was ready to like find the tallest building and it is so painful. It's awful. Yeah. Everybody in that movie is just like beyond cringe. It's, it's, it's so bad. I don't know how 
like were there any producers were there any studio executives on this movie did they all just like oh it's joel schumacher now nah, that's let, let's just let old joel do his thing here yeah. uh because i don't know how you watch that and you're like i feel really good uh spending like hundreds of millions of dollars to promote this movie yeah and they were ready to make another one like, i know the fifth one after that it's like guys this is i mean even like batman forever wasn't good it's it was carried by like Jim Carrey, right? So I don't know. I don't know why we're talking about this, but <laughs> just to sorry. make Adam happy. Sorry, Adam. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope you love that, Addy. But yeah, we're gonna talk some news on tonight's show, John. We're gonna hit some nuggets from your utilization report, the cornerstone article you put out every week over at PFF. And then we're also going to hit a little segment tonight called Legit or Nah. Top 12 scores the last three weeks. Are they legit or are we saying, nah, I don't think so. And then to wrap up, of course, we will have the pop culture chatter and the questions from our supporters. But John, let's just come right off the top rope with the big news in the IDP world today. Our waiver wire darling for this week, the former giant, the former Packer, now former Raider Blake Martinez has retired on the cusp of having a full-time role with Divine Diablo going on IR. John, what the hell is going on in Las Vegas and what the hell should IDP managers be doing in the wake of B-Mart's retirement? Yeah, so this this was it was surprising, right? Because I think like just the timing of it like he was he was set to be in a like a full-time role they they used him on i think 93 percent of the snaps last week when diablo got hurt like after only like his second snap so martinez basically played the entire game and everybody was ready to jump in the waiver where i i mean everybody did basically it's too late now everybody spent their fab and and you know went after him used their waiver priorities and literally after waivers are done clearing um blake martinez was like all right guys i'm out that's it that's it for me and i don't know i i don't know the 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 reason for it he you know um somebody had asked on twitter was it like a concussion thing but he, he didn't really deal with any concussions he had an acl last year that was his his thing and he'd been relatively healthy before that right so it is it's weird timing um you know maybe he he just didn't want to be a full-time guy maybe he was just happy playing his little 20 percent of snaps and coasting by on that paycheck but 90 percent scared him off so i i don't know um yeah it, it's it's not ideal for for everybody that went in and got a waiver claim in on him so uh, we do have to kind of move on and just drop him at this point you could look for denzel perriman um who may not even play this week that's this is the thing right i'm not rushing to the waiver wire for the the raiders linebacker this week at this point it's it's nobody unless i'm desperate there are other players on the waiver wire that i'd rather start um that wasn't necessarily the case with somebody like martinez just because now there's a little bit more ambiguity to the situation um with uh perriman potentially dealing with an injury might not even play jayon brown i don't think has played since like week four um he, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury he's still not practicing uh they got luke masterson um who is like a creative player basically I, i've never seen this guy um actually play i've just kind of seen him pop up in in the in the data when i pull it and uh i think they called up curtis bolton um who was basically uh maybe nick bolton's younger brother maybe he's, he's that's what i was gonna good. say that's the hope yeah. right um, but yeah there's there's just as far as the raiders linebackers this week uh, i'm not excited about them i i would much rather 
be a week late on them just to kind of see how it plays out. And if they're still around, you you pick somebody up. If not, then don't worry about it. There's there'll be other linebackers to pick up on waivers next week. Yeah, the Luke, what was it? Masterson? Masterson, yeah. Yeah, Luke Masterson. <laughs> Is this Jack Sanborn's like spy partner in the uh, Tom Clancy <laughs> novel that they're in together here? Oh, uh, but not only that, not only a great pop culture ref there, but also it feels like the Jack Sanborn situation where we don't know what's going to happen in the wake of a massive departure that we did not see coming. So, yeah, if you rolled out Jack Sanborn last week, maybe you were a little bit happy. Uh, but I think the better advice at this point, yeah, is just sit this one out. Let's see how it shakes out. And then, yes, I think there is production for IDP to be had in that Raiders linebacking group. But... In the words of Johnny the Greek, just be smart, baby. Don't don't roll the dice with a dicey situation. Just let it play out, and then we can grab someone. There's there's other linebackers out there that we can go after and feel a lot better about than anyone from this Raiders group right now. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like if if Perriman's there, and you know you you need somebody, it looks like he's gonna play. Then sure, take a shot on him. But other than that, like I don't think you're getting a league winner out of this group. So you know it's not somebody that you have to go crazy for or or panic about. Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's it just feels like more of a wait a week situation for me. And uh, yeah, nothing too exciting now that uh, Martinez is off into the sunset off into the sunset well let's talk about another las vegas raider off into the sunset but uh finds a new home in green bay wisconsin so he may be having to wade through some snow to enjoy the sunset but jonathan abram waved by the raiders and claimed by the packers john i want to read you a list of raiders first rounders since 2019 so this is just the past three years. Are you ready? Oh, man. Okay. Go for it. So 2019, Cleland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram. Uh, Cleland Farrell, fifth-year option declined. Josh Jacobs, fifth-year option declined. Jonathan Abram, fifth-year option declined and then waived midseason. 2020, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, both waived after being arrested. Alex Leatherwood, 2021, waived. 2022, traded away. God, it, it, it's terrible, right? Because these like these picks at the time were like head scratchers, right? They weren't even like, oh, this guy could really work out for them. It was like at the time that they picked them, we were like, what are you doing? Like Cleveland Farrell was what, third, fourth overall? Fourth, so insane, yeah. Yeah, fourth overall. It was it was a crazy pick at the time because you had guys like Josh Allen who were still on the board. And uh, I think Montez Sweat was there. There were much better pass rushers uh, than Cleveland Farrell and and. And then, yeah, going running back, Josh Jacobs, he went box safety in Jonathan Abram that year. Henry Ruggs was taking over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, who everybody had pretty much agreed were the better prospects. And Damon Arnett, the same thing. He wasn't the top corner on the board at the time. And I mean, Alex Leatherwood, yeah, that one, it was another one. It was just like, <laughs> it was just one after another. It's like the, the writing was on the wall as soon as they made the picks. They're like, what are we doing with these, these players? So uh, I mean, they, they did much better in their later rounds. So from what I understand is like Gruden was in charge of the first round picks. That's what they're saying, right? Maybe to, to save Mayock's, uh, <laughs> Mayock's future job back at the NFL network, who knows? But uh, 
yeah, it, it was a complete disaster. And this this was just the the, the final piece of the puzzle here, jo- uh, Jonathan Abrams. So people were surprised that he was let go. I, I, I didn't think it was that surprising. I think it was surprised. It's always a little surprising when, okay, the guy's fifth year option is already declined. So you've made right. it very clear. You're not going to be back with the team next year. His playing time is decreasing. But I, I do... I do wonder if there's something else going on. If he was maybe unhappy with his reduced role in the defense and asked asked for his release to try to go somewhere else, um, or was it a situation where it was like this dude's a total headache? We got to yeah. get him off this team right away. So it's surprising only from the standpoint of he was already gone. So what was the impetus to make this move in week 10? It's not like you have some stellar options like a Kyle Hamilton. If, if Chuck Clark had been released, he wasn't playing well. And then Kyle Hamilton steps into that role. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't anyone beating down the door to take Jonathan Abrams job. Like we got to get this guy on the field. So no, it's not surprising from the standpoint that Abrams sucks. A little surprising the timing of it and why it happened going into week 10 of the NFL season. Yeah, no, that's true. It, it is weird timing in the season like that. And yeah, and I, I think you you said it on, on the Tuesday episode, right? You were talking about like his character and stuff and yeah. like seeing him on Hard Knocks. And it's true. He was just like one of the most unlikable uh, players on that show he was he was annoying right off the bat so um maybe you know if you, you're surrounded by that every day then it's just like you know get the hell out of here we, we just got to get end this now can't take it another eight weeks or whatever it is that's right don't be surprised if we see some of that with my beloved indianapolis colts now rolling out a new head coach new offensive coordinator i think there might be some pieces uh Maybe not through, maybe not during the season, but definitely in the off season. I think there's going to be some surprising moves made when teams are bad and they realize maybe they need to start to rebuild. You see moves like Jonathan Abram getting cut. Any any interest in Abram with him landing in Green Bay? Not really, not really. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think he's going to move into a starting spot. I, I I know Darnell Savage hasn't been good. I know poor Kyle's been griping about Darnell Savage. <laughs> he can't stand him, but I I still think he's a better option, even if it's slightly than than Abram. I think Abram ends up mostly playing special teams for for the, the Packers at this point, unless Amos or or Savage gets hurt. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not picking him up anywhere. Unless he learns the virtue of humility uh, and stops thinking he's uncuttable. Uh, (laughs) So happy trails to B-Mart and Jonathan Abram, at least on Abram from IDP relevance. We'll see. Uh, But in the Green Bay, we'll uh, we'll have to just kind of put a pin in it, see how things work out. But I'm with you, John. I don't think we have much to look forward to in the way of IDP production from the former first round pick. Let's quickly touch on, John, all 22. Last we talked, we were going into a double matchup that week. Mm. We were playing each other in all 22 and in the XFFL. You took home the dub in XFFL, but your boy took home the dub in all 22 by 0.8 points. That's one of the things we talked about. These losses are soul crushing. Yeah, it's it's super close. <laughs> and yeah, that that I I do kind of enjoy that about them because like even if you like check the score like Monday before the the Monday night game and you have a few players that haven't played or um or like your your opponent had some players that they didn't start and 
uh, and will get an auto sub for. It's hard to kind of do the math to try to figure out where you're where you're at. So like the Tuesday, once the scores are final, it's kind of a surprise every time. So I, I do enjoy that aspect of it, but it's still really fun. And yeah, you, you gave me the beat down, uh, the point eight beat down that that week. So respect uh, for that. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 just above five hundred right now. So five and four. So just I'm four and by. five. Yeah, I'm okay. four and five. So. <laughs> We'll see how it goes, but yeah, yeah it's like um, it's like Christmas morning, right? Yeah. Every week when you go get the email from all 22, I'm like, ooh, let's see what's in here. Oh, it's a turd, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, oh, okay, it's a new bike. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, I do enjoy that aspect of it, that it does not feed my addiction to like checking my scores mm -hmm. like a madman on like Sundays, you know, frantically, you know, refreshing yeah. the app to see what the score is. You're just like, look, you got to wait, you got to wait for it. So it's a, it's a, it's good. It's good to kind of release control and just let the scores come to you. I appreciate that aspect of all 22. Yeah, for sure. For sure, it, it's definitely fun. I I I, I really enjoy it. I, I hope to get a couple more leagues going next year too. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, let's talk about the utilization report, John. This is your baby. You collapse into a pile of sweat and blood and tears and a little bit of snot every week as soon as you hit publish on this thing. So folks <laughs> need to go check it out over at PFF.com. But we had Arn pull out some interesting nugs here from the utilization report, John. So I want to go through here. And as we're looking ahead to week 10, this will help us essentially get our arms around a little bit uh, what we might expect from some of these players in evolving situations. So let's start with the Detroit Lions. Got the big dub against the division rival Packers this past weekend. But we saw with the Rodrigo injury, Derek Barnes usage. Uh, he played, I think, close to 70% of snaps, posted a 76.1 overall grade. That for a player that I don't believe historically has graded very well, uh, by PFF. So what do you think are the chances that Derek Barnes could actually supplant Alex Anzalone, who's a 51.9 overall grade on the season once Rodrigo gets healthy? Or is it just back to the previous status quo once the hard knocks darling is healthy once more? Yeah. So as far as supplanting Alex Anzalone, um, I'm going to give it a very low chance just because the guy, he, he has something on the coaching staff there in Detroit, some kind of blackmail. He's, he's sticking in that spot. He's not moving. Um, he's, he's an every down player for them, whatever, for whatever reason, I, I don't think Derek Barnes is going to be the guy to do it. If anybody was going to do it, I think it would have been Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, yeah, Derek Barnes, he had a good game. Uh, it was just one game. I think he had a sack in there too, which boosted his grade a little bit. Um, it was a nice blitz uh, attempt. And he, he, so he made some good plays. That's not really him though. You know, he's as far as like a season goes of Derek Barnes, you're going to see a lot more negatives with him than, uh, than what you've got in that green Bay game. So I'm not overly excited about him potentially being an every down player. Um, but yeah, I think he could be in that, that Malcolm Rodriguez role and be just fine uh, in deeper leagues, whatever it is, 75% somewhere around there. Um, I, you know what? I haven't seen how long Rodriguez is out. I don't know if, uh, did we ever get that update? That's the thing, right? Like, 
somebody mentioned this to me too, like this week, like as far as IDP injuries go, like you got to basically be scraping the dark web to try and find out what the hell's going on with these guys, but any offensive player. And it's like, there's an endless string of notifications, but whatever, I I won't get into that. (laughs) It's just, it's frustrating. It's, but yeah, I I think he's going to be out for a little bit. Um, It looked like some kind of, I think it was a forearm or something like that. Um, it, it didn't look like much. Like I watched the play and he just kind of took a block from the tight end. Um, and, and he went down kind of weird, but yeah. uh, he actually I, logged a limited practice today. It looks like, okay, that's good. So that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but folks, make sure you're checking out the, uh, banged up podcast with Lee Andrews, our boy over at the IDP show.com. As far as I know, the only injury podcast, Every Saturday, Lee combs through the injury reports and lets you know the notable IDPs that have popped up on Friday's injury reports. So check that out. If you're struggling to get good info on the IDPs, whether or not they're going to play, Lee's podcast can definitely help you out in that department. John, let's move to another linebacker situation in Seattle. Cody Barton whose role has continued to decrease as the Seahawks move to more one linebacker sets, dime personnel. It's working for their defense. This team is playing really well. So what can we expect from Cody Barton? Is it just going to continue to be kind of a flatlining situation? And then what can we say for the dynasty futures of Ryan Neal and Jamal Adams in this kind of new schematic world the Seahawks are living in. Yeah, so this is interesting, right? Because Pete Carroll loved to play like a lot of linebackers. I think he was like one of the last uh, coaches in the league to run like a base personnel on like the large majority of, of his snaps. And so that would be three linebackers out there. And then he was just getting toasted by it. Right. So he, he then discovered nickel, which is, which is great for him. Um, and then for a while, you know, he's, he's stuck with that kind of, that kind of defense. And it's been Bobby Wagner. It was Jordy, Jordan Brooks or Bobby Wagner and KJ right before that. And those were the guys. And there were every once in a while, they'd, still go into base and and there'd be a third linebacker out there which most teams do but not not that often now he's discovered dime which is great because pete you know in his his uh later years here is is still learning new things so you'd love to see that um and since the the seahawks have actually started to implement more of a dime personnel their defense has actually gotten significantly better right so imagine that taking cody barton off the field made your seahawks uh, defense actually better um so from weeks one to four because i did want to look at the epa per play allowed on on defense for them weeks one to four when cody barton was basically a full-time player he did get benched in in week four but he was he started that game and played a lot still um they went from sixth in the league in EPA per play allowed on defense, which is a high. So it, it, that's that's on the high end of the spectrum. Um, and then from since that time, weeks five till uh, week nine, they are 29th uh, in the league. So they are they're very low in allowing expected points added per play, uh, basically. So that that's a, that's a great turnaround. That's kind of an amazing turnaround. You don't often see that uh, from defenses in season like that. So. Um, just that little change, getting better coverage players on the field, players that actually don't make as many mistakes like like a Cody Barton, who aren't liabilities, uh, makes a big difference for sure. Yeah. And what about this safety position, right? We have uh, Ryan Neal, who has been a 
I mean, we 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 kind of saw it previously, but we had to get Josh Jones the hell out of there mm-hmm. to get Ryan Neal in that vacated Jamal Adams role. How should we be feeling about the Seahawks DBs for Dynasty? Is it is it a bright outlook? Is it kind of a eh, we'll see type of thing? Yeah, you know, I should have checked um, like Quandre Diggs uh, contract situation because I, I don't know. But either way, we don't want the Quandre Diggs role. That's a that's a very deep safety role. He doesn't really move from there. But as far as Ryan Neal goes, I think he's you know, he's been a nice depth player for his career so far. I think, you know, as far as him being like the guy, uh, I don't know that he's really shown that he's that good lately uh, or as of late, like in as far as being a starter not to say that he can't get there. I think, you know, he'd have to finish the season really strong to prove that he he deserves to be a starter somewhere, uh, whether it's in Seattle or, or, or somewhere else, but he's always been a productive IDP when he's in there. We, we, we love him for that. So sometimes we get caught up in those guys that, you know, who are good fill in IDPs for us. And we think they deserve a shot to be starters, but the NFL doesn't really view them that way. I, I'm worried that Ryan Neal is kind of uh, viewed in that way that he might just be like a depth guy that can fill in when needed. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think he's taking Jamal Adams job is, is basically the main thing because you look at Jamal, Jamal Adams cap hits uh, next year. It's like 21.3 million um, to cut him. 2024 it's 14.2 and then 2025 is finally when they can actually start to save cap uh it only costs them like 7 million or something like that i don't know i i, I put those notes together weirdly but they basically it takes till 2025 for them to to actually save money to to release josh or uh, jamal adams and uh or trade him so i don't think he's going anywhere I don't think you want him in the Quandre Diggs role. I think, you know, you got to hope that he lands a starting job somewhere else, basically. Yeah, it's kind of a lose-lose situation because we don't feel great about Jamal Adams in Dynasty because the dude's always hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's shown before that to maybe still have top 12 upside, but he's not the top three safety option that we thought he was going to be for years to come. And then I just checked, Quandre Diggs signed a three-year, $40 million deal this offseason. So they do have a potential out next year. They could save about $10 million against the cap. So maybe he gets cut. But uh, I agree with you. Uh, It's not a DB room that I'm overly excited about for Dynasty uh, just because of the factors we mentioned there with Adams, Star kind of dimming. Where does Ryan Neal fit once Jamal is back? Quandre Diggs is not going anywhere. And I think Quandre Diggs is playing 100% of snaps this season Mm -hmm. or something close to it. So. They love Diggs. They are big fans of Quandre Diggs. Yeah, he, he played 100% of snaps last year, too, and he just he basically produced because of volume. He never left the field, and he, he never got hurt. So people thought like he was a good IDP asset. He's, you know, he, he's fine if he's healthy, but again, he plays that deep role, so he's, he's not really doing a ton with those snaps. Exactly. Well, let's talk uh, more linebackers, Sean. Everyone loves linebackers. The Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Kaiser White has had posted one game with a 55 overall rank or more since week five. So not great. Could we see more Nicobe Dean with the Eagles essentially having a playoff spot locked up? And where do you see Robert Quinn fitting in with Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick there? We'll start with the Kaiser White question. I don't think Kaiser White is coming off the field. I think it's going to be him and TJ Edwards unless we see an injury. As much as we want N'Kobe Dean in there as dynasty managers of this guy, 
even with the poor grades, I don't think they're taking Kaiser White off the field. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think they're perfectly content just just utilizing him as their secondary linebacker right now. You got you to remember this is they're an eight no team, right? They're, if it isn't broke, you know, don't fix it. Whatever the saying is there. Um, so, uh, you know, he's he's not really they're not really going to change anything too drastically by putting a rookie on the field now um, and and potentially being a liability as good as Nicobe Dean was at Georgia. You just don't know how these guys are going to react to the NFL in, in a full time role once you get them out there. So, I think the plan for them is to is to kind of wait on Dean and and you know that that just kind of they'll probably stick to that plan for for the remainder of the season and and you guys talked about that on tuesday as well actually and so it, it, that's what it is it's just being patient as far as dynasty goes he'll get his shot um but i don't think it's it's this year so leave him on the taxi squad uh wait a year and then uh, maybe next season he'll he'll be in line for a full-time role and uh we can celebrate free uh a free linebacker that's right be patient with the kobe dean folks what do we think about uh, Robert Quinn, freshly acquired from the Chicago Bears, fitting into this edge rusher rotation? We talked about it a little bit on Tuesday's pod. I think they're going to sprinkle this guy in as sort of like a poor man's Von Miller designated pass rush situations. Does he have anything left in the tank or was he just coasting in Chicago? We're going to find out. But, John, I don't know how relevant Robert Quinn is going to be for IDP. What say you? Yeah, that that that's the thing. I, I think he's more of like an NFL piece at, at this point. They're going to be using him rotationally. I, I mean, I feel the same way about Justin Houston in, in Baltimore. Like he's been a great IDP piece as of recent, like with, with his sacks, but that's not going to last an entire season. Spoilers for a bit that's coming up in a, in a bit. But Robert Quinn, you know, he may get those sack games, like one and a half, two sack games, something like that. And uh, people are going to look at his snaps and be like, oh, he only played 23% of snaps. And, you know, it, it's not going to be worth it. So I think I think that's the way he fits in there. I think they're they're going to heavily lean on Josh Sweat and, and uh, Hassan Reddick. And then they got Brandon Graham and, and uh, Robert Quinn to kind of sprinkle in there as well. Among other pass rushers, they they really got a, a strong defensive line and they, they like depth on their defensive line. And you can never have too many pass rushers. So keeping those guys fresh and rolling them out um yeah i i i'm not i i wasn't crazy about robert quinn coming into the year for for idp and um yeah i'm less so now with him in philadelphia yeah i don't think i'm rostering robert quinn at this point um if we see something change like if the evidence dictates otherwise sure but just my hypothesis right now is not a guy worth rostering for IDP. He's a part of a rotation and sort of a second tier option in that rotation at that. So I think if you wanted to roster him, look for it. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I have an inkling that they're going to maybe unleash this guy closer to the playoffs. So if you, if you make it to your fantasy playoffs, maybe then he's getting some more work, but until then, I don't know, man. Yeah, no, that's a good call. And and he's also like one of the like the Eagles as a team basically are one of the better teams. Like if there is an injury to a starting edge rusher there, their backups are actually not bad waiver options, right? Whereas usually if a starting edge gets hurt, the backups are pretty, pretty bad. Um, like they're just not useful for IDP, just hope for volume basically. But uh, these guys are actually decent pass rushers. So um there's that as well if uh, but we don't want to see Hassan Reddick or Josh Sweat get hurt so no well when you're bringing you know Brandon Graham and Robert Quinn who were two starters not that long ago 
mm-hmm. in off the bench in relief of your two starters, that's pretty dang good. So I think the Eagles, I, everyone's like, how are the Eagles going to fare when they, you know, run into some real competition? You know, if they end up playing, you know, if they end up making a deep run in the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl, play the Bills, the Chiefs, or whoever. I think they're going to do really well, dude. I think this team is legit. They were my Super Bowl pick out of the NFC for a reason. I just think top to bottom, this team is absolutely stacked. And now you drop Robert Quinn in there, fresh off, what was it, 18 and a half sacks last year? Yep. So, well, no, he's not going to get anywhere close to that. (laughs) But if he can provide two or three sacks for this team in the playoffs, that is worth the price of admission right there. I think mm-hmm. in the eyes of the Eagles decision makers, let's talk about another bird breed here, John, the Ravens and Kyle Hamilton did a, did a video an IDP short with DFF trip or dynasty trip. Now football guy trip talking about Kyle Hamilton's outlook and this sort of new role that he's playing. And we saw that come to fruition last week, John, mm-hmm. with Kyle Hamilton playing a significant snap share. I believe it was 75, 76% of snaps, somewhere in there. Yep. But we also we also saw Geno Stone and Chuck Clark both play 100%. So what do we anticipate with Kyle Hamilton? Is it still going to be up and down with Stone and Chuck Clark as the two primary safeties are they using Kyle Hamilton and kind of this big nickel Jalen Ramsey Isaiah Simmons type of role just to get him on the field what have you noticed from the rookie safety there in Baltimore yeah that that last week at least they they used him a lot more in the slot um than they have and obviously kept him on the field a lot more which is it's just a good sign because I mean their slot corners like aren't great. It's like Brandon Stevens and Demarion Williams. Marlon Humphrey would play a little bit in the slot as well. But um, I think I think it's a good sign at least. I thought it was interesting, even with with Roquan and and Patrick Queen playing a good chunk of snaps last week. The I'm mostly interested basically to see what it looks like after the bye week now, um, because you know typically we see an uptick in snaps for rookies after the bye week, right? Um, so maybe as Roquan's snaps increase to, to being a full-time player. I think we all assume he's going to be a full-time uh, linebacker in Baltimore where Patrick Queen, Patrick Queen most likely will not. He's going to have to see a decrease in snaps because uh, they are the most dime heavy team uh, in the league in Baltimore. So there's room there for Kyle Hamilton to be utilized kind of in the slot because the other options aren't great and in the box because Patrick Queen is a great. So, it, it it brings a nice versatility, it, you know, if he does pan out the way we think he can um, to this defense. And there's there's optimism, at least from, you know, compared to like the 20 percent of snaps that he was seeing uh, early in the year. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see how it looks uh, the, this first week after the bye. Absolutely. I am still probably a little more skeptical just because there are two full time safeties there that are getting the playing time ahead of him. So I I don't think we're going to necessarily going to be firing K ham up with any confidence anytime soon, but I'm optimistic and it is a, it's an arrow up at least that we're seeing Kyle Hamilton get on the field in some capacity when at the beginning of the season, it was looking pretty grim 25, 30% of snaps, you know, playing a quarter of the game. So 
this is an improvement. I think uh, it makes me feel more hopeful if I'm a Hamilton manager to see this kind of usage, John. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, I should have clarified. As far as like IDP purposes go, it's going to still be a little bit difficult to trust them until we see like a true full-time role or if we see those 75% kind of stabilize. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't be starting them in, in the next few weeks after they after they come out of their buy until we're sure what that role is what it looks like and how we can produce from that spot exactly well john how about this a little breaking news in pod who'd you get sorry to say i was i was working the trades while we were sitting here podcasting aaron from the xffl came sniffing about khalil mack yeah uh who is a linebacker right now in RSO, but will be moving to defensive end uh, mm-hmm. next off season. And he is about 5 million or so next year. And then I just traded away Khalil Mack in a 2023 fourth for Gabe Davis, who is up to be extended for about 8 million bucks. So what do you think, John instant reaction? Who'd you get? Oh, that's great. 8 million. About oh, eight like million, that. yeah, on the extension. It was a lot less because those wide receiver extensions can be oh, outrageous. Like I thought you were gonna say like twenty million or something. No, last I checked, because I was I was peeking around earlier. We were talking some wide receiver trades and mm-hmm. nothing came to fruition. And he literally just messaged me like, Hey, Khalil Mack, is is he available? I was like, Well, he could be. And he's like, Well, what about sure. Gabe Davis? And I said, Okay. <laughs> he said, uh, well, how about a fourth plus Khalil Mack for Gabe Davis? And I was like, That sounds good to me. Send it. So there you go, folks. Wow. That's how you get Look it done. Like we talked That's... about with Sig, win win deals. Aaron's in a window right now to push. He thinks he needs a little defensive flex help. Uh, and he wasn't going to extend Gabe Davis. I guess he's not a Gabe Gabe Davis guy, but it really cooled on Gabe Davis. I remember yes. he was pretty high on it. But I, I understand. Like I, I mean, he hasn't been you know amazing. Like he's, I think he has had one top ten finish um, among wide receivers this year. But in that offense, like he's still like the true like number two option there. I mean, you know, they got Isaiah McKenzie. They spread the ball around a bit. But when he has those blow up games, I mean, I think he finished as wide receiver one the one week that he was like a top ten. Uh, guy so yeah that that that's a night nice, i think that's a great deal for you i think khalil mack's been pretty ineffective this season um you know and it's a good week to sell him too after that that fumble recovery that uh where he ripped it out of uh who was it uh it was drake london drake london yeah he ripped it out of drake london <laughs> that was that was a pretty sweet fumble recovery um but uh yeah other than that he hasn't really been like amazing right so um Great time to sell. Great time to buy Gabe Davis. I, I like that trade a lot for you. Yes, sir. It was eight and a half million per year for two years. So about two years, $17 million extension. Nice. I just extended him here as we were talking because I wanted yeah, Gabe yeah. to feel welcome uh, in the Houston Roughnecks uh, lock or the Houston Gamblers locker room. So welcome <laughs> in, Gabe. We're glad to have you. I should mention, too, I think context is always important, right? Anytime we're talking trades to kind of understand because Khalil Mack in a DN positional designation, that's pretty nice. But I also have a pretty nice unit of defensive ends kind of up and coming. That's probably my best position group. I've also got Von Miller, who I just extended. I've got Quiddy Pay. I've got Jermaine Johnson and Sam Williams. Mm-hmm. So and Peyton Turner. Uh, so I've got some nice young options that I like there. And so Khalil Mack was just kind of like a bridge piece 
to buy me some time next season until those young guys can come along. But I've loved what I've seen from Sam Williams, from Jermaine Johnson. Uh, those guys are feeling like they might hit as like fourth round rookie picks. I think they were nice. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good little group there. I, I like that, especially Quiddy Pay. That's one of my favorites. So that I know. Yep. Yep. I do want Quiddy Pay, but I, yeah, I, I know I won't be able to get him for me. So that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't Maybe have we, really let's let's work out an on-air uh, on-air trade john let's yeah, talk yeah. We'll through pull it. up the rosters i'm sure the <laughs> listeners will. let's have a lot of dead air and back and forth and talking over each other well, let's do another little seg here that i think will be a helpful exercise john legit or nah top 12 scores from the last three weeks we we're going to do four weeks but Aaron's data set only could do three or five so we picked three. Uh, so we're going to do the last three weeks. These are the highest scoring players by big three scoring at defensive line, linebacker, and DB. And we're going to figure out, John, we buying in or are we saying, ah, I don't think we need to get too excited about this guy. It might be a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the defensive line position here and just kind of scanning the list. I think there's some names that we can feel pretty comfortable rostering and starting but I want to get your take on several of these guys, how we're feeling. So number one through number 12, here we go. Justin Houston at one, Matt Judon. Crazy that anyone is outscoring Matt Judon this season, mm-hmm. but it has been Justin Houston the last three weeks. Uh, Uchenna Nuasu at three, Javon Hargrave at four, Zadarius Smith, Vita Vea, Duran Payne, Draymond Jones, Josh Uche, Two Patriots just feasting off of this Colts corpse of a Colts team. Uche at nine. Dwayne Smoot. Bobo brought him up hysterically on the Tuesday recap episode. At 10, Danico Autry at 11 and Jeffrey Simmons at 12. John, I think looking at this list, Judon, Uchenna, Javon Hargraves, Darius Smith, Duran Payne, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons. Those guys, I feel like, are we in agreement there that, yes, we feel good about these options. These are not flash in the pan, guys. You can roll these dudes out with confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, I mean, Judon, he's been excellent. And he's, I think he's like probably the only Patriots IDP that you can can trust this season. Yeah. Yeah, then you go, you look at Nwosu, Nwosu. He's been great, again, playing a lot he's been playing great he's having a career year so i i'm trusting that javon hargrave look javon hargrave was he he was he's been he was great last year he's been good this year i know he you know he just broke out recently it took a while to get there but it does it takes some time for these defensive tackles but the good pass rushing ones are hard to find and and so players like vita vea well i, I should I should say Vita Vea scoring more points per game over the last three weeks than Zayvon Collins. Maybe Adam should. Hmm. Uh, okay, hmm. Adam. Just trying to help out your team there. But, uh, you, in the words of Adam, you know what you've done. I know. You know what you've done. Know. Yeah, that, that was one of those traits for anybody that didn't listen to the Tuesday show. I was getting scolded uh, in my earbuds for sending out a trade. You know, when you'd like, you kind of flip it through your phone, you're doing your waivers and you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to throw out a trade. That was one of those, but um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I, it, I got Adam's attention. At least that's, that's all it I really made for good podcast yeah. fodder. Right. So that's all we really asked for is just give us things to talk about on the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. So Vita Vea, he's not, 
I, I really like Vita Vea. Obviously, I think he's a great NFL player. I don't think he could keep it up. Um, I think, what does he have, five sacks in the last three weeks or something like that? So that'll that'll balance out. He'll, he'll go, you know, several weeks without one. Um, I, I don't trust him to stay there. Deron Payne, I think he can. He plays way more than than he needs to 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 be able to produce the same thing with Draymond Jones and Denny Guatri, Jeffrey Simmons, all those defensive tackles. It's a lot of defensive tackles to have in the top 12 for defensive line. So I, I don't think I think you know maybe one or two can stick, you know, and then you got guys like Aaron Donald, um, you know, Cameron Hayward hasn't been great this year, but Quinn and Williams um, has been excellent. So there's, there's those guys that'll probably come up there and probably knock a few of these guys down as well um, by season's end, as long as everybody's healthy. But yeah, I'm not trusting Josh Uche, Dwayne Smoot. um, Well, these guys just aren't, these guys aren't playing the snaps, John. I mean, Dwayne Smoot at 36% of snaps during that stretch, Josh Uche with 25 and even Justin Houston. I think the way I would look at Justin Houston, I do think he's worth rostering. Now he's only played 41% of snaps across that stretch, but 28.77 points per game the last three weeks and an 86.3 PFF grade. So For me, the way I would look at Justin Houston, flex option. I love, I I historically with my, with our main league have stocked big play upside guys mm-hmm. in, that's why I had Von Miller and Khalil Mack, even in the linebacker designation, plug those guys into the flex because what I'm swinging for with that. Some guys, like I think Johnny the Greek would probably tell you, plug a linebacker in there, get the safe tackle floor, right? I go a little bit different. I plug in the guy that I think can get one or two sacks and potentially win me a week. So that's how I'm viewing Justin Houston. He wouldn't necessarily be my first option to plug into a spot like that, but I do think he's worth rostering. Yeah, worth rostering. But yeah, as far as keeping it going like this, I don't. I don't think that's possible, especially like as the Ravens edge rushers get healthier too. Like they got Tyus Bowser back now. Um, you know, Odafe Owe hasn't really done much this year, but he's still there too. They're going to want to give him snaps. Um, Jason Pierre Paul is there. They they have some guys now that they can rotate in with. Justin Houston is what like seventy three years old, I think, at this point. So. Just turned seventy four. Just turned 74 this week. So, okay. So he's not going to be out there playing, uh, you know, 80% of snaps or anything like that. And as much as we can say, like, you know, look what he did with the snaps that he had at the same time. Like those are snaps that have already happened. Those, those sacks happen. They're not going to transfer over to the next week magically because we want them to, the players have to be on the field for them to produce. And, and, you know, a 25% snap share or 40% snap share. Um, it's just not going to be sustainable. So looking at guys like Uche and Smoot uh, specifically, but Justin Houston falls in there as well. Yes, exactly. Well, let's talk linebacker again, everyone's favorite position and some juicy names on this list, mm-hmm. John. So I'm excited to dig into it with you here. Let's talk about the number one guy, we know who it is because we talked all about him on Tuesday's yeah. show. It's Isaiah Simmons of the Arizona Cardinals, 21.97 points per game the last three weeks on 79% of snaps. So he's right there, you know, a few ticks down from that 85 mark that we like, but 21.97 points per game. Number two, Rashawn Evans playing tonight. of snaps in that stretch. This third one, John, warms my heart. Mm -hmm. David Long Jr. of the Tennessee Titans, 17.47 points per game on 99% of snaps. 
the last three weeks. Rolling down here, number four, Jawan Bentley. Number five, Devondre Campbell, who was out last week, is not been practicing this week. So keep an eye on that. Quay Walker is the guy there if Devondre Campbell does not go again. But Zayvon Collins, another Arizona linebacker. John, as we mentioned, the Cardinals may finally have their two tall trees in the middle of that defense, but Zayvon's season sitting at number six with 16.08 points per game. Number seven, C.J. Mosley. Number eight, the newest Baltimore Raven, Roquan Smith. Number nine and ten, a pair of Colts linebackers, Bobby O'Karake clocking in at nine, and Zaire Franklin, the captain, at ten. Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith's new running mate there at 11. And the legend, Demario Davis of the New Orleans Saints, clocks in at 12 with 13.53 points per game. John, let's start with a pair of linebackers that I think it's fair to have significant questions about because of some recent developments with their team. What do you expect from Bobby Okereke with Shaquille Leonard coming back and Zaire Franklin playing 100% of snaps? And then what do we expect from Patrick Queen? We've talked about it a little bit, but how do we see his role moving forward now with Roquan Smith coming in? Let's start with Bobby O. Temperature on Bobby O now that Shaq is back in the mix? Yeah, it, definitely cooling. Um, it's not a good sign when you see that he's the one getting his snaps cut uh, in favor of Leonard. Um, I've got to assume that Leonard's snaps just keep going up. I, I thought you know, he'd be closer to a full-time role last week, but they, they still kept him on a pitch count. So uh, I don't know what's going on there. I'm not really trusting either of them at this point. Like Zaire Franklin, definitely. He's been, he's been a stud. Um, I love seeing that, you know, they've given him the shot uh, to be a full-time player, but yeah, definitely cooling on Bobby O. He's done a great job with the snaps that he's had. He's, he's kind of overproduced this season. Last year, he actually underproduced. If you um, look at this, the production versus expected, Um, he just, played a ton right this year he's not playing a ton but he's actually he's overproducing so he's making up for it a little bit but i don't expect him to uh to get back to a full-time role as long as uh leonard and franklin are in the mix um, well, let me ask you this john because i have a i don't know little bit of a spidey sense something is going on with shaq leonard right. i don't know i don't know what it is but now with this new coaching staff coming in Sort of everyone's on notice, essentially. Every aspect of this organization is going to be evaluated top to bottom to see who needs to stay and who needs to go. I think that's Jeff Saturday's role in this organization is to be Ursay's eyes and ears, to be the mole, to tell him, hey, Jim, you got to get rid of this guy. You got to keep this guy. You got to get this guy more playing time, right? There's something going on with Shaq Leonard, and maybe things return to normal, and maybe him and Zaire Franklin are the two full-time linebackers. What are the chances, if you had to put a percentage on it, that Shaq Leonard is actually the one rotating in, and it's Bobby O and Zaire Franklin continuing the full-time role we saw for them earlier this season? I mean, that would be really interesting. I, I would, I guess I'd be surprised um, just because you know, he's Shaq Leonard. He's, he has a reputation in the league, right? They've, uh, they've paid him. Um, is he not the highest paid linebacker in the league at this point? Or yes, just he is. Behind Roquan? I don't know. Um, but he's got to be up there. Yeah. So man, that would be surprising. It, again, it, you know, it could be a health thing too. If he's not fully healthy and he's not moving the way that they, they would hope, but he wanted to be out there. Maybe that could be a, a factor in there. It's just yeah. interesting to me that, okay, 
Connor, my dad, and I went to the Commanders game, Frank Reich's second to last game. Mm-hmm. And Shaq was active and yet didn't play a lot in that game. Mm-hmm. Same thing last week. So maybe they're just easing him back in, but it's it's hard to know if this is just a slow ramp up period. The team did say they were going to have him on a snap count, yeah. but I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an injury thing. Maybe they're testing out to see, do we like Shaq in more of a reduced role? I don't know, man. There's just something fishy going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you see, like, slowly more teams are getting to, like, situation-specific linebacker usage, right? Which is even more dangerous for IDP because <laughs> we don't know who to trust. Um, but this it could be that way that they're they're kind of leaning that way but then you know it's it's hard to tell what the coaching change too was that part of frank reich's plan was that part of you know chris ballard or or jim ursay is that part of their plan but yeah there there's definitely something weird going on there like you said because it, you know when Shaq came back the first time he was supposedly cleared from i, I guess it was the back injury right and then he got a concussion but then he missed a bunch of time yeah, that's right. Broken, broken nose. Yeah, that's right. So I think Zaire Franklin clocked him in the face and broke his nose and gave him the concussion. Yeah, he said, "This is my job now." Yeah, you, <laughs> you get, you get out of here, Shaq. This yeah. is me and Bobby O's time. That's right. So yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's a weird one. It's one that obviously we got to keep monitoring and and see what happens. But yeah, I, I'm with you. There is something weird going on there. If you think that it's possible that Leonard ends up being just a rotational guy for the rest of the season. You know, I, I could I, I could I could kind of buy into that. Um, it's just a, it's just a spidey sense. I would yeah. put a very low 15 percent chance. Sure. Uh, but it's not zero. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that this NFL season has been full of surprises already. So just keep your guard up with the Colts linebackers situation. Be patient and really kind of pay attention to the chat, the chatter and the buzz coming out of Colts camp. So. That's not to get us too far down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole with the Colts linebackers, John, but let's talk about Patrick Queen. Um, I heard something interesting on the athletic football show that perhaps bringing in Roquan Smith, who is a much different linebacker than Patrick Queen, could free Patrick Queen up to for some more pass rush opportunities. How do you see Queen's role evolving now with the assumed ascension of Roquan Smith to that linebacker one role? Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I think that's always kind of been Patrick Queen's like one strength in the NFL has been as as a blitzer. Um, yeah, just look at the quarterback and go. <laughs> you don't got to think other than that. Uh, you don't. You know, you could do that. That that much we can ask of you. So um, there, that's you know, that's not a bad role for him. The, you, you can use guys like that, especially uh, in that Baltimore defense that is. Um, you know, that can lean a little bit more into the blitz and, and, uh, and, and use just one uh, typical off ball linebacker in Roquan Smith. So it's not a bad role uh, for him to, to maybe get some, some value out of his limited IDP snaps. I think that they are going to go down. Um, I think he was last week, 96%. Um, But I think that could potentially be like the last week of that full-time usage that we see from him especially now that they've had a bye week and Roquan's kind of, you know, getting acclimated to the defense. I think there's a very good chance that uh, Roquan Smith ends up in that role this week and that, uh, that Patrick queen kind of dips a little bit. So um, yeah, I, I I don't think that he'll be in the top 12 going forward unless he's landing sacks every week, um, which again, you know, those aren't, 
uh, stable numbers to rely on. So uh, it's it's going to be a tough one to, to plug them in and play each week. So just kind of keep an eye on the snaps. Um, there should be other full-time linebackers to rely on. Absolutely. The rest of this list, John, I think we feel pretty good about. Well, what's what's your Isaiah Simmons temperature? I think we both feel pretty good about Zayvon Collins. He's getting the snaps. He's making big plays. You're not taking him out of your lineup. You're not trading him for a third round pick in Vita Vea. Uh, so, <laughs> but what about Simmons? Simmons is the one on this list here that I'm like, hmm, are we all the way back in 79% of snaps over the last three games? And then I also want to get your temperature on Juwan Bentley there in New England. But let's start with Simmons. What are we thinking on uh, the Clemson product? Yeah, so I think it's it's come from mostly big plays, right? Like I think he had um, – did, did he have a pick six in there? Um, he did, right? Yeah, So and Zayvon Collins did as well, right? So both of the – like a, a lot of these guys that end up in the top 12 in scoring, it's going to be uh, health and basically those big plays, right? So um, – that that's that's kind of where the, a lot of these numbers come from because even look at like somebody like Zayvon Collins I don't think he's had a double digit tackle game this season right so there there could be some big play dependency on guys like Simmons and Collins um if they aren't like these great tacklers I, I still feel good about them um but not like LB1 where they're ranked right now in in over the last three weeks I think more kind of the low end LB2 um maybe potentially high-end LB2, but in that range, basically. Um, but yeah, Simmons not playing every every down and mostly in the slot is um, is obviously, you know, not ideal. But he, you know, if he can make the most of his opportunities, he could produce some tackles out of that spot. Sure, that's great. But there, there's definitely other guys that I'd prefer um, that play more of like an orthodox linebacker role, like a Zayvon Collins. Yeah, it's been a mostly coming on the back of big plays here with Zayvon Collins. His highest tackle game was nine tackles in week seven against New Orleans. Uh, but he's also had a forced fumble, two sacks, an INT, and a touchdown. So yeah, he had yep. the pick six against Seattle last week. So yeah, especially if you're in big play leagues, Simmons and Zayvon Collins are much more appealing. Uh, but let's talk about Juwan Bentley. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that Matt Judon might be the only Patriots IDP worth rostering. So I don't know how crazy you are about Juwan Bentley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had considered Bentley when, when saying that, and I considered Kyle Duggar and I just, I, I just, I have a hard time trusting them because we've seen like these wild snap share swings, like any given week, Bill Belichick can be like, you know what? It's Jelani Tavai's week to to play most of the snaps and, and rack up some tackles or, you know, who knows, they'll get Jamie Collins out there or somebody like that, that you just, it, it makes it hard to rely on them week to week, or at least feel good about putting them in the lineup every week. Like, there's times like maybe last week, for example, when there's six teams on a buy or there's injuries or things like that, where you're like, okay, I got Juwan Bentley. It's not the worst thing in the world. He can maybe do something with those snaps. And he does, um, you know, every once in a while, it comes up with some big plays or some big tackle games, but it's usually unlimited snaps. And, and there's also a lot of duds in there as well. Yeah, that's a LB3 consideration by week fill in type of yeah. thing. And Simmons too. Like I'm not, I'm not comfortable if Simmons is my LB1. He's fine as an LB2. LB3 is where you're like, yes, let me get Simmons in there for that big play upside. Or if you if you could plug him into a flex spot, I mean, that is the good stuff right there because that's that weak winning upside we talked about from your flex. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think one of the leagues, like I have Simmons where we start three linebackers. There's an IDP flex option too. But like I have, I think Rashawn Evans. I think I got Drew Tranquil, Devin Lloyd. Um, so he'd be like kind of the fourth guy in that mix, really. Um, if I have guys like Evans or Tranquil that I know are playing every down, Devin Lloyd even. I know, I think Devin Lloyd, look, it'll be like a law of averages type situation where he'll come back up. He'll have some big weeks and kind of make up for these low tackle games. But I'm just kind of rolling those guys out before Simmons at this point. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk some DBs, John. This is a position that is constantly in flux. So I think it might be the most helpful conversation we have on the pod to talk through some of the top performing DBs from the last three weeks. Let's start at number one, Kirby Joseph clocking in with 20.38 points per game on 87% of snaps. Number two, the aforementioned Ryan Neal playing 95% of snaps, 18.33 points per game. Sauce Gardner at three, Razul Douglas at four, Kevin Devin McCourty at five, CJ Gardner Johnson Deuce the third. Thank you very much. At six, Deron Harmon at seven, Jaquan Brisker at eight, Andrew Adams at nine, Michael Jackson. That was probably my favorite moment of the podcast this season when Adam learns that the Seahawks have a Michael Jackson and a Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Just fantastic. But Javon Holland at 11, Jair Alexander at 12. John, as I look up through this list, I will say I notice a lot of guys playing north of 90% of snaps. Looks like Razul Douglas and Cope, uh, Kirby Joseph are the two lowest at 85 and 87% of snaps. So there's obviously some cornerbacks mixed in here. We play in CB required leagues. We're not saying you want to fire these guys up in platforms like Sleeper where it's just DB, uh, but is there anyone on this list that you're like, okay, how did you sneak in here? You're a 16-year-old in like a bar, like you got a fake ID. What are you doing here? Anyone that needs to get tossed out of the club, John? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I do want to start because I, I'm chuckling to myself just thinking of something about Kirby Joseph. I don't know if you saw his quote um this past week i think he, i don't know if he posted it on instagram or, or whatever it was i just saw a screen cap of it <laughs> and it was to be honest i just been farting y'all ain't seen shit yet <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard that one before and i gotta tell you i'm a big fan of it <laughs> yeah he, he's he's moved into my safety two uh spot uh, just behind derwin obviously but uh he's he's moved up there now for that that quote alone <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. But what do we think of Kirby Joseph right. there? I feel like he's a decent option and, and you know, DB league, safety leagues, however you want to, you know, roll them out there. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of these guys, I think with safety, if they're not producing a ton of tackles, I think that they're going to be big play dependent. You know, if they start to show kind of a tendency to make those big plays, I know that's not really like a, you know, a tangible thing that we can, we can truly measure, but you know, sometimes that it it's what helps us make the decision to start them or not this week. Right. So Kirby Joseph, I think has done a pretty decent job um, as a rookie so far in, in, you know, the, the limited role that he's had, but he's playing enough snaps right now um, with Tracy Walker, out. but I think Deshaun Elliott, I think he'd still be the guy I'd feel more comfortable starting uh, out of Detroit just because he can produce those tackles, which I can trust week to week. But like you said, if you're 
the kind of person that likes to to lean towards like big plays, for example, with you like you would do for uh, defensive linemen. You might look at a guy that maybe doesn't play as much in the in the box and uh, and look at players like Aminka Fitzpatrick or Javon Holland or Kirby Joseph, who you think can produce a big play for you and 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 potentially win you your week. Um, they could also potentially just put up a dud, right? So um, he's he's strung together a few. There's a few other guys here that like, like Devin McCourty. I'm definitely not trusting. I know those have mostly come from big plays as well, but he he's been always kind of a, a deep guy and super ineffective. So I think Kirby Joseph definitely a better option, <clears throat> excuse me, than than Devin McCourty. But I don't. I like again. He, he's probably going to be. I think outside the top. 20 safeties for me doing my rankings i'd have to look at, at where i put them this week but um there there's still a number of guys that i feel more comfortable starting each week well let's have the conversation we had on tuesday's pod to wrap up this discussion here john where is sauce gardner in your dynasty cornerback ranks oh um dynasty corner oh my god digging so, deep here john <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm with you guys i, I still think legerious Sneed uh is got to be number one i still really like guys like um like teron johnson um kenny aj Moore, terrell like, aj terrell sure yeah i guess i i mean yeah he'd be in the top 10 i'd put him in the top 10 i i probably not going to end up drafting him anywhere because he's going to be an attractive name next year um, that people are familiar with and they know he's playing well and blah, blah, blah. An actually attractive name in sauce. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They'll want the sauce on their team. So, um, but yeah, I I would probably, I'd probably throw him in the top 10 uh, of corners there. There you go. All right. So top 10 options, sauce Gardner and our confidence rankings on these DBs. How do we feel about plugging these guys into our lineup? There is our top four. John, let's answer a listener question from one of our favorites. Vinny asked Damar Hamlin. Is he for real, John? I like Damar Hamlin. I, th- I think he's an exciting player. I, I thought he, I thought he's done a lot of nice things on the field, not just, you know, as, um, as an IDP, but he, he looks good out there, right? He, he kind of passes the eye test a little bit. He, I don't know. Actually, I should, I should have pulled up his grades. I did not, but um, not that it matters, but uh, Damar Hamlin, I, I, I like him. I think he could kind of move down and, and, and support the run. Like we just talked about with Jalen Thompson. I think, you know, especially when Jordan Poyer was out, they like to use Poyer in that kind of role when they start too high and move to and rotate to a one high safety. Um, Damar Hamlin kind of gets to do that a little bit and he does a good job of doing it. So I think he is for real for IDP. Um, I've been starting Damar Hamlin in, in a number of leagues. Um, and it's worked out pretty good. So just going to keep rolling with him. Um, I don't really have a reason to to not trust him other than, you know, random variants. That's that's sure to happen now that I've uh, talked about him. <laughs> yeah, now that you've jinxed him, we have to take yeah. him out of our lineups immediately. But there you go, Vinny. Thank you for your support. If you'd like to hear your questions answered on these preview shows, check out the idpshow.com. Consider becoming a paid supporter over there. This is a feature we will carry over into the offseason as well. So if you're looking at those dynasty rosters and saying, oh, my God, what should I do? Sub over there. We're going to be answering your questions all year round. But thank you, Vinny, for your support. It's time to talk some pop culture. I don't know how much pop culture you're getting to enjoy right now. (laughs) 
that we're in the full swing of the NFL season. But has there been anything that has brought you any sort of delight on the pop culture front here recently? <laughs> yeah, so I did uh, get to watch uh, Welcome to Wrexham um, with uh, with Ryan Reynolds and Ma- Rob McElhaney. Really, really enjoyed that. That was that was a fun show, man. I I thought. I, I just felt like rooting for Wrexham and like, and you really feel the pain when they lose, like when they lose games that you, you think that they should, they should win or they need to win it. it you could feel the pain uh, in watching it. So they did a really nice job um, kind, kind of chronicling that and, and looking forward to seeing how it goes in the future. Cause man, they've definitely brought a lot of attention to that team. Now they I'm seeing them everywhere basically. So um, that's pretty cool. And and did you see Ryan Reynolds is now interested in potentially buying the, the Ottawa senators in the NHL? I did not see that, but yeah. uh, who can blame him? If you can get more sports documentaries out there and get oh. to continue to fill the FX pipeline. I mean, I mean, the man has a knack for, for business, for filmmaking. I mean, I think his LinkedIn bio is like business owner and part-time actor. So uh, <laughs> the man be making some deals now, and uh, that would be pretty fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would be fun. I'm sure the NHL would absolutely love that, too. Like, it's a slightly more expensive uh, franchise to purchase than uh, than Wrexham Football Club. Yeah, I think Wrexham was like, what they say, like $2 million, $3 million bucks to buy that team? Yeah, yeah. The Senators, I believe, were evaluated at like four hundred million or something like that. So he's gonna need some. Uh, he needs some, some more some rich partners. friends. He needs yeah. like Hugh Jackman in the in the seat right. next to him, rather than uh, old Rob McElhaney, who I love the song. It's like Bring on the Deadpool and Rob McElhaney. So they don't even like shout out Always Sunny yeah, or yeah. you know any of his other work. It's just his actual name, which I always just tickles me that they're like this is Deadpool, right? This yeah, larger yeah. than life. Oh, and rob's here as well right right yeah and, it, and they do a pretty good job making fun of that too rob rob obviously knows that he's the he's not the the star that ryan reynolds is so that's pretty funny but um yeah i i mean hey we, we should uh, throw a couple bucks ryan's way and see if he'll let us help him buy the senators and I'm in. You own an NHL franchise, Josh. Let's talk, Ryan. Let's talk. I can definitely squeeze together at least $38. I think I could swing that from the IDP show account funds. Nice. I'll I'll go a step (laughs) further and throw in the extra 62. We got a hundred bucks coming in. Come on, Um, Ryan. Let's make it happen, baby. I will trade your best players to the Red Wings. Uh, <laughs> now you've lost me because uh, wow. I know about mm, three teams and one of them is the Nashville Predators. So, okay. <laughs> well, to, yeah. And the Red Wings, I was watching the game before we recorded. It was 2-2. They lost 8-2. So I'm Okay. Not, uh, so you didn't miss much great. there. Not no. doing great right now. Um, anyways, uh, other than that, what have I been watching? Um, yeah, not much. Mostly whatever uh, Luke wants to watch. Uh, Batman so, and Robin? Uh, yeah oh god man we didn't even get through it it was so bad but um dc super pets we watched that one um how was that i want to check that out it's not bad it's pretty entertaining um the rock is in it he does he's obviously pretty entertaining kevin hart um but it is good some some little moments that made me chuckle um and some good dc uh easter eggs in there as well so that was fun um oh and i'm playing the guardians of the galaxy game on ps5 um so i do get little pockets of time every once in a while uh and so i've decided that i want to play the guardians of the galaxy game so um i haven't played a video game in a long time and that one's been really really enjoyable um and actually yeah it's been a fun game you don't have to see like great superhero games i mean the batman arkham series has been excellent but 
Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, really enjoying that. Good story, good uh, good dialogue and everything in it, and uh, it's just fun to play. So, um, I've actually played that one a little bit on Xbox. Oh, nice. I've got an Xbox One. They had a like a flash sale. It was like eight bucks or something stupid, and I was like, oh, wow. I can't not buy this game. I've heard really good things. I haven't uh, played it in a while, but the the little bit that I did play was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It actually it's good. It's got a good story to it. Um, so it's pretty fun. But yeah, other than that, it's just my um, whatever I watch uh, as I'm falling asleep on the iPad, which has now been uh, 24. Uh, I'm rewatching 24. I don't know if you ever watched the, that, but I do think of Agent Jack Bauer now when I think of uh, Agent Jack Sanborn there on Chicago Bears. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you're yeah. welcome, folks. Now we're only going to think about Jack Sanborn as a special agent. Uh, yeah. And that that may be his future post football. Who knows? But some good stuff there, John. I'm at least happy that you're able to enjoy some form of pop culture, right? Yeah, every once in a while when I'm able to get out of my my desk chair, I try to <laughs> I try to explore what else is going on in the world and sometimes that's, you know, reverting back to like the early 2000s or whenever it was that 24 came out, but <laughs> yeah, it's still nice every once in a while. At least you picked a good show and not yeah. just like, oh yeah, the wife's watching Grey's Anatomy, so I just watch that and fall asleep God. with tears in my eyes. Just you know, she watches this Love is Blind. Have you ever seen this? It's on Netflix. Isn't that the one where they never meet and yeah, like in person? They, they never meet and then they do and then they gotta decide to get I, I watched I think 30 minutes with her. I, that's all I could take. I was I was ready to put my head through the wall. It was painful. It's a somehow tr- unlikable people. Yeah, it's a somehow trashier version of The Bachelor, which <laughs> is already in and of itself like utter trash. So yeah. I keep telling her it's just she just enjoys like some mindless television every once in a while. And that's fine. We all have our mindless kind of I'm going to talk about one here that I love that I've been enjoying. Finally, the wife is in France with my mother-in-law. They're on a river cruise. They're seeing a bunch of French towns I can't pronounce. I'm solo dialing it this week. I've been strategically hoarding a couple of tv shows that i knew she wouldn't want to watch and now i'm getting to enjoy them now that i'm home alone through next week uh finally getting to watch season five of cobra kai john have you plugged in at all on the cobra kai television show i did i actually like i caught up on it like just like late in the off season i was like yeah i had nothing to watch i threw it on and uh yeah i ended up finishing the whole thing i've, I've watched season five i love johnny lawrence i think he's he's, he's so good man character. he really yeah. is zapka does such a good job yeah. with that character and he's just so like ramshackle and just like inappropriate yeah. and just lovable loser um it, it's a really fun show it's the perfect type of mindless entertainment. It's like my go-to show when I'm folding laundry and I want to pay attention, but not really pay attention. That's the perfect show. Check it out. I think it does a really nice job of honoring the legacy of the movies while putting like a fresh spin on the, you know, the stories and the characters that were existing from those previous karate kid movies. So mm-hmm. If you were into those, I mean, it's it's got some pretty decent action, you know, some heart fits. It's not the best thing in the world, There's, but it's yeah. fun. <laughs> There's a lot of corniness. Uh, it's it's in very there. corny. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. But, and, you know, I was never like a big karate kid. Like, I didn't love the karate kid movies. I don't like Ralph Macchio or the, the Daniel LaRusso character. I, I think he's boring. Um, but for Johnny Lawrence alone and, and then Terry Silver, I think is a great 
is a great villain. Like just that classic eighties kind of style. Yes. Villain. I think he does a great job. That actor rich um, slick back hair with the yeah. ponytail. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's perfect. It's like Miami yeah. vice kind of yeah. vibe to it. So <laughs> check it out folks. Cobra Kai season five. It's on Netflix, but I've actually got a couple music wrecks. So we oh, got okay. to see our favorite band, the head and the heart out of Seattle. We saw them in Nashville last month. Fantastic show. Uh, Ascend Amphitheater there is got the skyline of Nashville in the background. It's down on the river. It's an amazing, amazing wow. venue. And this is probably, I think we counted up our fifth or sixth time seeing the Head and the Heart. And we always love to see who they have opening for them because they've had some really good opening acts. Shaky Graves, a musician out of Austin, Texas. Really fun. Reminds me, I'm telling you, just look up a little bit of his stuff on YouTube. Reminds me so much of Jack Black. That manic kind of like just ball of energy sort of entertainment value, you know, uh, just kind of zany all over the place, kind of herky jerky type of movements. I was like, this is if Jack Black was into like kind of alt rock type of thing, you know. <laughs> so if you want to check out Shaky Graves, I enjoy like high energy kind of music that builds and his stuff very much falls into that category. So if you want to check out shaky graves, start with dearly departed. That is probably my favorite song that he has. Roll the bones is great. Late July is awesome. Uh, so check out shaky graves. And then I want to give a shout out as well to colleague and friend, Donnie McLowan, whose single wonder of the world. We sampled for the intro and outro music on tonight's podcast, Donnie's a good friend of mine. Uh, we work together, and I always love supporting people that are doing these sort of artistic kind of endeavors. So uh, check out his music. It's on Spotify. The newest single, Wonder of the World, is up there along with some of his previous stuff. So shout out, Donnie. We've used his music on the show before and appreciate him letting us use the newest single for the outro and intro tonight. Yeah, so there you go, folks. Pop culture chatter. We are nothing if not nerds, John Macri, so we have to indulge our nerddom just a little bit. We, we want to get the IDP in first so the folks don't whine and complain that we spend so much time being nerds. But hopefully <laughs> folks enjoy just a little bit of levity, just a little bit of something not football that they can enjoy, check out, not check out. It's up to y'all. Do what you want. These are the things that we're enjoying, right, John? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, where we do things other than football. So it's nice to be able to share those. And if people care, that's great. If not, um, be like Adam and, and turn it off. That's right. Turn it off. Just like he turns off all television and movies. Uh, yeah for the past 15 years. So hope you all have enjoyed this episode, John. Thank you as always, my friend for coming on here, chopping it up with me. Always a lot of fun. Tell the folks what you got cooking, what you got coming up and what they can look forward to over at PFF.com. Yeah. So what do we got? We got the utilization report that comes out every Tuesday. We got uh, rankings tiers article comes out every Thursday uh doing the offensive line defensive line matchups to target and avoid that comes out every friday um helping write a offensive start sit like answering the pff app questions on there um that'll be out thursday friday somewhere around there whenever i get it up on the site and um yeah other than that i don't know i i i'll share snap counts every once in a while on twitter things like that um and uh yeah you, you'll you'll find me 
message me if you if you have questions um message josh if you have trade questions um are you still referring to yourself as the human trade calculator is that still a thing no i think that, i thought that was you i thought you no, wanted all start no. set and trade <laughs> questions coming your way if i if i have to handle the start set you have to handle the trade that's that's the, <laughs> that's the i'll deal. uh i'll get with arn i'll give him access to my account and he can answer on my i'll get it to boo bam boo bam right. and Arn. yes send me the trade questions and they will be answered by someone using my twitter account there you go yeah. and <laughs> sh- shout out to Arn too for putting the uh the, the notes together tonight that was a big help really appreciate that Appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate you, Aaron. And we will be back with you all on either Monday or Tuesday of next week. We always aim for Monday. Sometimes it turns into Tuesday. Uh, But we will be coming back with the Week 10 recap. And like I said, John, we teased it a little bit about a little bit on the recap show this week. I'm not going to go into too many details, but we've got some pretty cool episodes lined up for the end of the season that folks are going to want to stick around for if they want to win some IDP fantasy football championships. Oh, yeah. Crucial time to be paying attention when everybody else is checked out. Yeah, it's all about winning the championship, so make sure you're tuned in for sure. That's what all the offseason work was for, folks. So don't tune out. Plug in. We are going to help you bring home that trophy. For John Macri, Josh Raymer, we will see you guys next week. Y'all take care.